explaining why the Louisville football team will win at least eight games in 2023 and discussing how the basketball team should fill the final scholarship. All that coming up on today's episode of the Locked on Louisville podcast. Stay tuned. You are Locked on Louisville, your daily podcast on the Louisville Cardinals. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is going on, everyone? Welcome into another episode of the Locked On Louisville Podcast. I'm your host, Dalton Pence. I serve as a credential media member for Cardinal Sports Zone. Also do some PA announcing work for the University of Various Sports. Want to take this time to thank you all for making us your first listen of the day. Um, a lot of different topics to discuss on today's show. We'll talk about why the Louisville football team will win at least eight games in 2023. We'll also discuss how the Louisville men's basketball team should fill the last remaining scholarship. And then to conclude the show, we will dive into a weekly mailbag segment. So um, beginning the show on the football side of things, if you remember from the most recent episode, and if you haven't checked that out, I would uh, strongly suggest you do so. We talked about three reasons um, you know, why Louisville is the dark horse to potentially make the ACC championship game in December. But um, I said we would talk about the over-under win totals. Um, all of these odds have been coming out over the past week or so. We just talked about how Louisville is pretty much third or pretty much fourth in, in a lot of um, betting circles in terms of making that ACC championship game. I wanted to continue that conversation by discussing the schedule as a whole and looking at the um, the projected win totals because most of the sites right now, um, I know that, let's see, I think that FanDuel, um, who is obviously a, a sponsor of the show, has Louisville at eight and a half. I think that's a little rich for me. Um, I, I think that BetMGM, Caesar Sportsbook, uh, DraftKings have Louisville at eight wins is kind of where I see this team at. I think eight wins is when you're really starting to separate, um, you know, specific games as it pertains to how it could affect the season. I think eight and a half is a little bit too steep for me. Um, despite, you know, saying that Louisville's going to win eight games because at that point in time, the margin of error gets significantly smaller, right? I mean, going from eight to nine wins, that's a decent jump. Although it's just one in the win column, I mean, that shows you that you're handling business for pretty much all of the season and not having too many hiccups. But ultimately, I think that, um, you know, obviously if you – partake in sports gambling or you like to look at the projections from Vegas and from different um you know betting sites Louisville's around that seven and a half to eight and a half mark um I want to take a look at why the schedule suggests that this team is going to win at least eight games now granted I will say this as a disclaimer um this is under the assumption that the Cardinals are going to ride the momentum that they had in the offseason of, you know, the recruiting cycle, the um, transfer portal successes, so on and so forth, the guys that they brought back. This is under the assumption that Louisville is going to take the next step forward in 2023. They're going to continue to show success. They're going to, um, you know, not 
have a, a lackluster first year under new head coach Jeff Brom. I think that there is a lot of reason for optimism. But, I mean, I still think that you have to address the notion that, hey, look, it's first year under a head coach. You don't want to get too – um, you don't want to get too optimistic, but you also don't want to discredit the coaching staff and the players on the team. So ultimately, I mean, I look at this situation and hold on, I want to address the turn the lighting down a little bit. Sorry about that. Um, ultimately, like I said, I think that this is all under the assumption that Louisville is going to handle business. They're going to be as good as analysts project them to be not necessarily on that Clemson Florida State level but more so in that second tier with North Carolina with Duke with Pittsburgh potentially Um, but nonetheless we talked about it on the last show the schedule opens up opportunity to have a very successful season we talked about the ACC schedule what all that pertains but the 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 non-conference schedule as well Um, I think that that's where you start to talk about the ceiling. Let's look at that non-conference schedule. Um, Obviously, Murray State and Indiana to begin the season. You then have a home game with Notre Dame and a home game with Kentucky. No road games uh, against out-of-conference opposition. You do have that game against Indiana, which is up in Indianapolis and Lucas Oil Stadium, but it is deemed not a road game. I would expect that there are a good amount of Louisville fans that make it to that game, as well as many Hoosier fans that will do the same. So, um, Ultimately, I think that Louisville should be favored against Indiana. Um, They will be favored against Murray State. You would assume that those will be two victories. Um, Granted, when you start to assume is when you start to – you know, start to play with fire a little bit because of how things go. I understand um, Indiana finished last season four and eight. Um, they started out three and zero, oh, and then they lost their next seven, and then beat Michigan State in, in double overtime before losing to Purdue in the final game. Indiana is a program that obviously head coach Jeff Brom is extremely familiar with. So I, I think that you know you look at how the team is going to get to eight wins. I think you're getting two wins right there, right? So you got two wins there. Let's take a little bit of a break from the out-of-conference schedule for a second because um, it'll tie back together here shortly. Look at the ACC slate. One of probably the more favorable ACC schedules in the league this season. Don't forget new scheduling module. So Louisville's not going to be playing the same teams that they usually play. You play the the same three teams um, as the new scheduling model. Those three teams for Louisville, Virginia, Miami, and I think it's Boston College. Um, or no, it's Georgia Tech, is it not? Um, who are the three teams that Louisville will play every season? Um, uh, I don't know why I don't know this. I apologize for this. But um, nonetheless, it's Virginia, it's Miami, and I think it's Georgia Tech. Yeah, no, it's Georgia Tech. Um, for some reason, I thought it was Boston College, but it was not. But Looking at it, um, you know, you play those three teams. The main thing to understand here is who's not on that list. And we talked about it in the last episode is who's not on that list. That's also at the top of the projections to finish in the ACC. Who's finished the who's projected to finish at the top of the ACC? Clemson, number one, Florida State, number two, and most of them, North Carolina, number three. Who's not on the Louisville schedule in 2023? 
number one Clemson, number two Florida State, and number three North Carolina. So you're missing out on those top three teams. Um, frankly put, I don't think that I look at the schedule immediately on May or in the middle of May and say, yeah, I think Louisville's going to lose that game in the ACC. Now, granted, I'm not suggesting that they're going to run the table and that they will be favored in every game because, I mean, I think that it's way too early to tell that. That may be a little bit overreactionary. But as it stands at the moment, there are going to be some tough games, but none that I look at and say, man, I think that Louisville's 100% going to lose that game. And I think that the main reason, as Louisville continues to get better via the transfer portal, they, uh, or I guess the... Uh, deadline to enter the portal is now gone, so now you are bringing back the majority of your core that didn't go to the NFL, um, bringing a lot of talented players in via the Flyville 23 high school recruiting class, and you're still not done adding via the transfer portal, but the, the staff had a great um, spring window for the portal and a great December and January as well. But nonetheless, back to the schedule, there's not one game on this ACC slate that I say, yeah, we're going to lose that because – although you're probably going to lose an ACC game or two or even a couple, but I don't necessarily think that at this point in time, when I look at the schedule, that there's one that I kind of pinpoint and say we're going to lose that for sure. I think that the games that Louisville is going to be projected to win, I think Georgia Tech, I think Boston College, um, Virginia Tech and Virginia, uh, Louisville's going to be favored to beat those four teams likely and unless Louisville just struggles mightily and the other teams um, you know, look pretty solid. But those teams, as of right now, seem to be the ones that Louisville should win. So if you're chalking those up as victories at this point in time, and I know, like I said, it gets dangerous to do, but we're doing this theoretically, you're looking at those four games as, as wins and the two out-of-conference games. You're at six wins with six games remaining on the schedule. Um, the toss-up games in the ACC at NC State, at Pittsburgh, Duke at home, and at Miami. So three road games there. Um, I, I think that... Um, you know, you look at those three and you say, well, you can lose to Kentucky and Notre Dame, which I think are probably on paper the two toughest teams on your schedule right now. Let's say you lose to both of those teams. I'm not saying that they 100% do, but let's say you do. All you have to do is win essentially um, – all you have to do is essentially split those two games. You, you have to win three – or I'm sorry, you have to win two of those six to essentially go and um, win eight games. And I think that all these games are winnable. Notre Dame is probably the best team on the schedule at this point in time. You have Kentucky as well, but both those teams are at home, so that is going to help a little bit. Miami um, is going to be tougher than they were last year, although I think that despite their recent success against Louisville, I think that Miami, Duke, and NC State, I mean, those are going to be games that Louisville's could potentially be favored in along with Pittsburgh. So I think that there's a good chance that this team wins over eight games. Now, whether or not you want to bet the over eight or over eight and a half, um, eight and a half is a little steep, like I said, because that's assuming that, you know, you're only going to lose to um, three of the teams of the six teams that I just mentioned. So at this point in time, I do think that Louisville wins eight games. Um, I think that they win the six against the ones that I said they were going to win against, and then they're going to win at least two against the remaining six um, that are higher up on the schedule. So um, nonetheless, um, if we're in off-season talk, which we pretty much are, I mean, it's mid-May. There's not much sports going on outside of baseball, softball, um, I think track, um, so on and so forth. Um 
We're at a point in time where the basketball team is pretty much filled out in terms of the roster. There is one remaining scholarship. We'll talk about what Global needs to do or should do with that final spot here in the upcoming segment. Before we do that, I want to talk about our friends over at Built Bar. If you're looking for a delicious snack but don't want all of the sugar and calories, you need to try the best tasting protein bar ever built. It's something that is 100% mandatory to try, I'm telling you. If you're like me and want a healthier snack choice but don't want to compromise the taste, Built is the way to go. It is as healthy as a protein bar, but they're all covered in 100% real chocolate, so you get that candy bar feeling as well. Not only that, but um, there's so many unbelievably uh, great flavors like churro, peanut butter brownie, cookies and cream, so on and so forth. Mainly, you've had to get them at Built.com. As I mentioned recently, they have hit the stores. You can go get them at Walmart, get a four-bar box in the pharmacy section, or if you're a Sam's Club person, no issue there. You can go... Uh, the Sam's Club run in and grab a 13-bar box with some of the hit flavors. You can thank me later. All an opportunity with Built. All right, so heading on into the second segment of the show. Just talked about the football schedule side of things. Went to uh, meander over into basketball where the final scholarship offer is still out there. And Louisville is sort of weighing their options on how to fill that. Obviously, Indiana got the commitment from five-star uh, small forward McKenzie Mbaco. So, um, and some other players that Louisville was possibly involved with ended up going elsewhere. So, as of right now, there aren't many names out there that have been discussed with this final scholarship. So, what should Louisville do with that final uh, roster spot with that final scholarship. Personally, I think it has to go towards the backcourt. I think when you look at the rotation or you look how the roster is broken down right now, I think that there is a lot of traffic at the, the small forward, power forward positions. Um, I think that versatility allows you to sort of look past the center position. But I, I mean, I think that you need to go out and you need to address guard play. More specifically, I think you need to go out and get a ball handler that can facilitate and initiate offense for others um, that have shown and have produced at the collegiate level. Um, you look at the the wing position. I think Louisville is pretty much squared away on wings. Um, JJ Trainer um, going on down the line. You have guys like Danilo uh, Jovanovic, um, Mike James, Trey White can play the two or the three. You have Trenton Flowers who can do the same thing. Um, and I think that in the front court, I mean, you have Brandon Huntley Hatfield, you have Dennis Evans, um, you know, you have guys like um, Emmanuel Okorafor, so on and so forth. And I think that when you look at this roster, it's all kind of dependent now on guard play. I think that, you know, you have a situation right now to where there's a lot of talent on this team. And I don't necessarily think that, you know, we're in a situation to deny that. I mean, I think that Louisville has gotten better, um, you know, this past season in terms of overall talent. Um, now, how that talent's going to mesh together, how that um, pertains to roster construction in terms of positions, that's a different conversation. That's something that's yet to be seen. And there's a lot of differentiating opinions out there of what a guard is or what position insert player here is going to play. Um, personally, I mean, I think that you're in a situation to where, 
you know, you have the talent. Um, kind of looking at, I wish there was a, there was a depth chart. Uh, somebody had posted a depth chart that I thought was very interesting that I wanted to kind of take a look at. But nonetheless, I mean, at the wing position as well, you have Curtis Williams Jr. You have Caleb Glenn who can play the three or the four. Uh, but but at this point in time, and then you have Trey White as well. So you have a lot of guys who have the versatility to play the two guard, to play the wing. Uh, some can play the three or the four. I understand we talk about this whole notion of positionless basketball, but that only works if you have the players that can fill the needs on the court. You need players that can you know, primarily score the basketball. You need players that can initiate for others. You need players that can rebound. You need players that can defend at a high level. So I think we you know, use this term of positionless basketball as a crutch sometimes and, you know, sort of use that to justify, um, you know, uh, an opinion of saying, well, this guy's 6'9", this guy's 6'10", but he can play like a guard. And a lot of times that's not the case. Um, but nonetheless, I'm not here to discuss that. I mean, I understand that that is a big discussion within the fan base, but I'm, I'm here to talk about how Global should utilize that final guard or utilize that final roster spot. And obviously I talked about I would prefer to see it go to a ball-dominant guard, a guard that can initiate for others, that operates well with the ball in his hands. One issue we saw last year was that Louisville really only had one ball handler. They had L. Ellis, but outside of that, they had guys that can dribble and make threes, but they didn't have a true ball handling guard outside of L. Ellis that could create for others and be entrusted with having the ball in his hands and initiating offense for a good stretch of time on the court. And I think that this year's team or this year's upcoming team roster construction wise, when it looks at the size, when you look at, um, you know, sort of the skill set overall, I think it's kind of similar to last year's team personnel wise when it comes to, um, you know, the size and the, roster breakdown by position but I also think that you know you probably got more talent for next year's team than you did this past year's team but it's all about putting it together a lot of it's unproven talent I think as of right now you look at the potential starting lineup I think if, if you if you maybe guess if you made me guess what the starting lineup was as of right now with the current roster day one the first game I'm thinking it's probably Sky Clark Trey White uh one of Mike James or Trenton Flowers um Probably JJ Trainer slash Brandon Huntley Hatfield slash Emmanuel Core four. So two of those three. And then you have guys like um you know coming off the bench, like the remainder of the guys there, uh Dennis Evans, um, potentially one of the true freshmen, maybe Danilo Jovanovic, so on and so forth. So I think as of right now, you've got players that can play the two guard. I think Trey White can slide into that starting two guard role. Mike James fits more of a of a three role in my opinion but can play the two guard um i think that that is the vision for trenton flowers as well um but ultimately i think that this team needs a backup point guard i think that sky clark is very talented i understand that there's that lack of production but i do think at the end of the day he's going to be your starting point guard he's going to be the guy that you're focusing on to create for others as well as creating his own offense for himself off the dribble so ultimately i look at this situation i look at the roster as a whole and i'm thinking off the bench, Louisville doesn't have another true point guard. I know that there's also talk about Louisville potentially using Karan Davis at the point guard position. That's one of those situations where I think he 
probably fits more of a two or a three with that because of the uh, assist to turnover ratio that he had um, at the JUCO level wasn't necessarily the greatest. So I'm not sure how that's going to positively translate over to the uh, collegiate ranks uh, division one, uh, especially power five basketball. I do think the Karan Davis is going to be utilized more of as a scorer as a two or three, but I still think that this team needs to add uh, to the point guard position moving forward. And I think that if they do that, I think that there's a good chance that they could see some substantial um, improvements. Um, but to answer the question of the time frame, I don't think that this is a scholarship that Louisville should just eat um, and just not fill. I think that Louisville, the urgency is there to, um, you know, put this four and 28 season behind us. I think that there's still work that needs to be done to the backcourt. Um, I think right now it's kind of wait and see approach uh, to see who, decides to come back to college um, out of the NBA draft. And there's going to be some very solid players that end up doing so. So very interested to see how that will work out for Louisville. But um, I would probably imagine that they utilize that final spot. So, so heading on into the final segment, which will be a mailbag segment. Before we do that, I want to thank you all again for making Locked on Louisville your first to listen every day. Every day or is tomorrow on the show, we're going to be talking about a little bit more recruiting some football players that have scheduled official commit or official visits for the next couple months. We'll talk about those players. Um, before we do that, like I said, final segment of the show dedicated to the weekly mailbag. And we haven't had a weekly mailbag in a while. There's been a lot of great questions. Uh, first question, this this one really pains me to talk about. Why is the baseball team struggling as much as they are? Um, number one, I think that there's been some key injuries to some key players down the stretch. Christian Napchek, Jack Payton, so on and so forth. The bats really haven't been all that great over the past two months um, as they were at the beginning of the season, and the pitching has just not been there. Um, there's been games where Louisville's had a decent lead, and the bullpen just completely gives it up. The bullpen has been the question mark all season and it was a problem and it has been a problem since the beginning of the season. And it's one of the reasons why this team is probably, or maybe not going to make the NCAA tournament. We'll see. I'm not necessarily sure of how the bracketology is looking right now. Uh, starting pitching has kind of been hit or miss. It's not really one position's fault. It's not necessarily pitching's fault. It's not necessarily defense's fault. It's not necessarily hitting's fault. It's all of their fault together. Um, and it's really sad to talk about because, you know, after that, you know, Cozer Shriners challenge where Louisville won all three games against some very good opponents, um, they really went downhill. I mean, they've gotten swept a lot. I think they've lost 15 of their last 19. Um, extremely tough to talk about, but I think it's just kind of a perfect storm of a lot of things going wrong for the team this season. So um, moving right on along, the recruitment with McKenzie and Baco came down to Indiana or Kansas. What are your overall thoughts on Louisville not being able to seal the deal there? Well, I mean, I, I think the recruitment for McKenzie obviously was high profile. Um, it's obviously going to be for a top 10 player. I had some confidence when a lot of national recruiting analysts were essentially saying that it was kind of Louisville or the G League once he got let out of that national letter of intent from Duke. Uh, but once it was announced that he was scheduling visits, um, you've seen how successful Kansas and Indiana can be on visits. So, And I know that Louisville was scheduled for that final visit, but I'll be honest, I didn't have a ton of confidence. I was extremely worried that he wouldn't end up making that visit because there was no doubt that Kansas and Indiana were going to push for a commitment, push for him to close his recruitment down, and unfortunately that's what happened. Um, it's something that I think a lot of people are upset about. I understand the whole um, you know NIL 
side of things, but not being able to to get a visit with the connections that uh, the staff had to Mbako to the family. Um, it's sort of discouraging. I, I mean, I think that, you know, Mbako didn't necessarily fill a need on the team outside of just adding more talent. I think that guard play is, is the way to go for the team, but still um, losing out on a player to where it felt like it was going to be Louisville or the G League, I mean, it's still kind of tough to swallow. Um, and I know that sometimes it's hard to compete with, with top boosters um, and top NIL packages, which is, seems like what it happened, but um, it, it's discouraging. I mean, Hopefully, you know, they can find a pretty solid player for this final scholarship. They've done a great job with the high school recruiting ranks, um, you know, top five class, but still it does sting. So how would you expect Louisville to fill the remaining football scholarships? I, I wish I had the accurate count on how many they have left. I mean, I think that it really just kind of depends. There aren't that many players out there right now that are available. I think that you're going to add probably one to the defensive line. You're probably going to add one maybe at the quarterback position. Obviously, the Brady Allen player from Purdue is a player that people have talked about. I think that Louisville will probably look to add another tight end, especially with Des Melton going elsewhere, Francis Sherman going elsewhere, and you know not having to rely too much on a guy like um, – Jamari Johnson right out of the gate. So we'll see how that works. I think that Louisville is going to be in a position to add another tight end, um, but ultimately quarterback, tight end, uh, defensive line, and then probably best case scenario. So um, last question to talk about of all of the newcomers for the Louisville basketball team, which one do you have the highest expectations for and why? Um, I think Sky Clark is probably the one that I have the highest expectations for a player that had some solid moments um, early on in his Illinois career. Uh, but, you know, he's came out and since said that he wasn't necessarily fully healthy after tearing his ACL in high school. He says he's healthy now. He's going to get the opportunity here. Um, I expect a lot from him because he's going to have to play that role for Louisville because um, of the lack of, um, you know, initiators on offense at this point in time. Um, I, I think that Sky Clark has the talent. You know, now he's fully healthy. He's going to have the opportunity to uh, really, really take that next step in his development. So I think that Sky Clark is the number one player that I'm having high expectations for, the player that I'm having the highest expectations for, I should say. Outside of him, it's probably Trey White, a guy that averaged nearly 10 points a game last season for USC as a true freshman, and now will probably play just as much, if not more, for Louisville as he did USC last season. So Sky Clark closely followed by Trey White. That's going to wrap up the Monday mailbag. More specifically, it's going to wrap up the episode as a whole. Everyone have a great day. We'll see you right back here tomorrow.